This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with me, Art Wiederman, CPA. I am your host. Uh, Art Wiederman, I have been a dental-specific CPA for 37 years, uh, as of Labor Day, 37 years. We're recording this uh, uh, on September 12th of 2021, so I'm now past 37 years. I'm a dental division director at the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. We uh, work with uh, 300 dentists in our office in Tustin and Orange County. Uh, our firm works with close to a thousand dentists, and uh, I have a real treat for you tonight. As I told you many, many times, uh, one of the great things about being in this profession as a dental CPA is that you get to make friends. And uh, I'm going to introduce you to one of my newer friends uh, that I've met in the last uh, last year or so, and her name is Sharon Weiss. Uh, Sharon is a dental consultant and a coach. Uh, her company's name is Weiss Practice enhancement. And uh, Sharon is from Rohnert Park, California in Sonoma County, Northern California. And one of the topics when she and I were talking about what would be relevant today uh, was team compensation. And as we all know, uh, the number one challenge in dentistry today is finding team members to come to work that you can hire that are competent and that can help move your practice forward, especially with all the challenges going on with the pandemic. So we are going to hit all of those topics uh, head on. With Sharon, you will find her very engaging and lots of good information, which we're going to get to Sharon in a moment. Uh, Let me give you some information like we do all the time uh, on our podcast. Um, First of all, uh, please make sure that you uh, take a look at Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, our partner in crime. Great clinical content, uh, over 140 continuing education courses that you can take at a very reasonable price, articles that'll knock your socks off, um, written by the who's who uh, in dentistry. So that's www.decisionsindentistry.com. My mothership is the Academy of Dental CPAs. Uh, the ADCPA, and uh, we are 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent over 10,000 dentists. There's about 180,000, give or take, in the United States, and we work with 10,000 of them. We have been the financial first responders over the last 18 months in dentistry. So go to our website, www.adcpa.org. Um, I do want to share some updates with you. First of all, again, if you haven't filed uh, for your round one PPP forgiveness, you are probably late unless you got your money really late uh, in May or June of uh, 2020. If you haven't, you want to make sure you do that. If you haven't filed um, or at least looked into the uh, Employee Retention Tax Credit, the ERTC. If you had a greater than 50% reduction in your uh, gross receipts, net of patient refunds, 
in any quarter of 2020, and that would have been most likely the second quarter when all the dental practices basically shut down for eight to 12 weeks, uh, you could be eligible for tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of dollars of credits. Uh, at Ide Bailey, through the dental group, I've kind of led a team and we've gotten over $3 million in tax credits for dentists uh, all over the country, uh, several six-figure ones. Uh, if you have a DSO and you are listening to this and you had less than 100 employees in 2020, you could be looking at hundreds of thousands of dollars that you'd be leaving on the table. Um, if you are interested in that, you can either give me a call at 657-279-3243 or email me at a Wiederman, that's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. We're also talking about the Provider Relief Fund. And the Provider Relief Fund was $175 billion of money that came out of the CARES Act in March of 2020. And dentists have been getting their share. You probably received 2% of your revenues in July, August, September of 2020. And if you applied for phase three, you uh, could have received a ton more money. I have some doctors that received in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. You need to become uh, ready to report your information on the HHS's portal. It will not open until January 1 of 2020, 2022, I'm sorry. So if you received more than $10,000 uh, between April 1 and June 30th, you had to have reported by September 30, and this podcast will be broadcast after September 30. But for most of you, you received your $10,000 or more between July 1 and December 31, you will need to start reporting that money on the portal um, between January 1 of 2022 and March 31 of 2022. And if you do not do that, you will have to give the money back that you received. Now, I've got some new information for you. Um the Department of Health and Human Services has announced that there is going to be a phase four coming out. Uh, PRF phase four uh, will be based on providers' lost revenues and expenditures between July 1, 2020 and March 31 of 2020. Um, and some of this text is courtesy of my good friend, Alan Schiff, who, Schiff uh, our president of our ADCPA, who writes these amazing articles and uh, and letters. So $17 billion of this money is going to be for additional funding to help uh, healthcare providers uh, make up for the losses. And we are now into, uh, sadly, another phase, uh, the Delta phase of uh, COVID-19. So I'm not going to get into that in great detail tonight. Uh, I will tell you that if you want more information about the Provider Relief Fund Phase 4 and also the other program which they're combining, which is called ARP Rural Payments, visit www.hrsa.gov forward slash provider hyphen relief forward slash future payments. Let me say that again. www.hrsa dot gov forward slash provider hyphen relief forward slash future payments and it'll give you a lot of the information uh there are also some good videos on youtube and i'll put some of this information into our show notes uh for you if you have questions about the provider relief fund we've set up a website at ide bailey which is prf um at idebailey.com. That's PRF at idebailey.com. So this provider relief fund is going to be something, folks, that you are going to have to pay attention to, and you're going to have to make sure that you report your expenses, your lost revenues. Um, one thing to keep in mind also, if you received a phase, uh, a, a uh, your initial 2% payment in the third quarter of 2020, 
and you claimed that those were not increases in your revenues, but were reimbursements of expenses. You want to make sure that when you report them, you don't report them as lost revenues, but you report them as reimbursements of expenses. We could spend the next 40 days talking about this provider relief fund. So now that we're done with ERC, uh, at least for now, and PPP, and also, folks, um, you can start filing for your second round PPP forgiveness if you've used the money. And you're not going to be eligible for the employee retention credit for 2021, which would require a 20% reduction in your gross revenues. So again, if you have any questions about that, email me, call me, oh, I don't know, hire an airplane and write a you know, sky right above the um, you know, South Orange County and I'll see it, put your name on, and I'll give you a call. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. All right. With that said, let's get to my good friend, Sharon Weiss. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Sharon. Uh, Sharon and I grew up in the same uh, company. Uh, Sharon, for 17 years, uh, was a curriculum designer and a consultant uh, with the Pride Institute. Uh, I started my career with the Pride Institute. I was their financial services director from 1984 to 1989. Uh, Sharon coached hundreds of dentists, both uh, as a direct consultant and as a trainer in uh, doctor and team workshops. Um, she's got a great background designing and leading training that engages the team. Um, she's also written, uh, was an author of a book, uh, that was called the big book of humorous training games. We'll talk about that in 2000. And she's also a volunteer mentor with score, which is a national organization that helps new entrepreneurs start small business in her small, uh, in her free time. As again, she's from uh, Rohnert Park, California in Sonoma County. Sharon Weiss, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance and Management. Hey, Art. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for taking the time to come on and talk to me. Now, you have shared with me, I got to hear about this, (laughs) that you only read books about World War II or how to murder someone in England. First of all, did anybody in England do anything bad to you to make you want to <laughs> learn about this? I, tell, I'm dying to hear about this. Di- oh, and that was a pun. I'm dying to hear about how murder someone in England. Well, I'll tell you. The good news um, is if anyone uh, on uh, listening to this wants to off somebody in Great Britain, I can help them out. Because having read... Pretty much every murder mystery uh, that takes place in England, um, these people are either extremely bloodthirsty or, um, you know, very conniving. Oh, so, so is that what happens when you eat crumpets and fish and <laughs> chips? I mean, that's a, I've been to England. I've been to England once, and I loved it. It's my one of my favorite countries in Europe. But um, so, so. If the FBI starts coming to look for me, I'll let you know. If the FBI starts looking for you, you please let me know. So, and what is it about World War II that you really like? Uh, you know, interestingly, I, I am specifically interested in spies of World War II and uh, how uh, really the Allied spies more than the Axis spies, um, but how they uh, created devious ways to um, fool the enemy. Wow. Okay. Well, I now have someone else who has expertise. Maybe if I uh, try try out for Jeopardy or something, I'll have a conversation <laughs> and teach me some of this stuff. So you and I, Sharon, know that um, you know after the pandemic, uh, the closures ended, um, and, and as this pandemic has gone on, and the government's been providing unemployment compensation, gosh, for over a year now. Uh, people are just not going back to work. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're having thoughts about what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do? Do I, do I really want to work in a dental office? Do I want to work in the hospitality industry? So I'm guessing that one of the biggest challenges that you're having with your clients right now 
are finding good team members and compensating them properly. So kind of give us an overview of what you're seeing out there, maybe how it's a little different now than it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, you know, I, like you, I'm reading all these dire statistics about how hard it is to find a hygienist specifically and dental assistants. And, and of course, the doctors I'm working one-on-one with uh, can't find front desk staff people either. So, you know, there is kind of a a rebalancing, let's put it positively, where uh, people are now looking more critically at their workplace and looking for uh, places that fulfill them a little bit more, not only economically, but emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, and and, and I'm seeing that too. And, you know, I mean, people are, they were getting, you know, $1,000, $1,500. At one point, they were getting over $1,000 a week not to work. Mm -hmm. And they got used to it. And, um, you know, you do have the fear, although you and I both know that the dental office is probably one of the safest businesses you could ever walk into. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, perception is is fact. So so let's get into some of the, we want to help our doctors tonight about hiring team members, and some different issues that have come up. So let's start off. You talk about, uh, we've talked about competitive compensation. And, and and I think you've told me that that doesn't really mean a whole lot. What do you, what do you mean by that? Right. So pretty much every job ad under the, uh, <laughs> that I've ever seen will advertise that they offer competitive compensation, right? Right. And uh, this is supposed to now attract the job's Seeker, like, great, you offer competitive compensation. Obviously, no other employer offers that. So, you know, I need to apply to you. Um, so competitive compensation, unfortunately, is kind of like apple pie, right? Everybody, sure, you like apple pie, right? Uh, who's going to object to it? But at the same time, it's not that compelling anymore because it it's, doesn't mean anything. So when we look at the topic of compensation specifically, we really need to be specific. What kind of compensation are you offering? And secondly, and most importantly for the dentist, how do you know it's competitive? And of course, that is always a tricky issue. Right. And you can, I mean, so how, what are some ways that you can find out what, uh, you know, what, what are the ranges in your area? I mean, there's not a whole, I mean, there are some salary surveys out there and, uh, but, but there's nothing printed in the newspaper. Okay. Here's today's uh, (laughs) hourly rates for a front office, right? Here's the daily rate for a hygienist. Uh, So, so what, what do you do with your clients to try and find out what, uh, what people make? Right. So I do have some hacks for this. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can utilize, uh, go two, two directions. One, utilize your personal connections. And the second, go online. So in terms of personal connections, um, you can talk to people in your area. Like, sure, talk to other, your friends in, in your study group. Talk to your bookkeeper or accountant if they uh, work with other dentists, because they will obviously know what the payroll is is like. Um, and, and then you can go online. And here is where you can be a, a little sneaky. Um, you probably have heard of the large uh, job matching uh, centers, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, sure. um, Salary.com. And all of these, if you look, you can find the going salary in your area. And in fact, uh, the website salary.com, you can go in and you can find um, the average salary in your area from high to low. And uh, if you go on other sites like Glassdoor or Indeed or ZipRecruiter, um, you can find out what other people are offering in your zip code. Now, we know it's really competitive out there. Mm-hmm. Are you recommending to, and I'm, I, and I'm hearing, I've been in dentistry 37 years. I know you've been in dentistry, a, I don't know how many, but you've been a while. 
Um, and, and I have never heard before. It's always been the number one challenge is finding and retaining good team members. Right. But I've never heard it as as desperate as I'm hearing it right now. I had a a doctor I was talking to the other day who who says, you know, Art, I've got I, I desperately need a hygienist and I just can't find one. So so are there any other things that you do and recommend to your clients that they can do? To offer, I mean, benefits. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm hearing. Uh, are you seeing signing bonuses? I'm seeing right. signing bonuses. I mean, maybe a little bit about that. So let let's talk about this uh, in general. First, first of all, in finding employees, right? So yeah, everybody is going to post a job ad. So number one, um, you need to think about how you're framing and wording your job ad, remembering that the second word in this is ad. For advertisement. So you absolutely are selling your practice and the benefits of working there. And, and I'm going to say something that may intrigue and surprise or maybe relieve you in that employee employees aren't necessarily attracted to the best paying job, right? Not right. necessarily. And, and that is because although compensation is important, it is often not the deciding factor on whether someone chooses to work at a place or stay at a place. And I'm sure you can think of many people who choose to work at places where they're not well paid, but they love it. And other places that is extremely well paid and they hate it and and can't wait to leave. So while compensation is important, it is not the deciding factor. You know, I was reading something on the internet. I, I, I read more and more because it really helps me in the work that I do, as, as I'm sure it helps you in the work that you do. And, and one of the big things that I am seeing is that people are leaving their jobs because they are not being respected. Mm -hmm. They're being disrespected. Mm -hmm. uh, they're being yelled at. They're being, um, uh, you know, verbally abused uh, by their employers, and and maybe one tip we might want to give Sharon to talk about this would be when you're interviewing someone, because again, you know, they're trying to assess you like you're trying to assess them, is, is to talk about the fact of how you, the owner, treat your team members. Absolutely. And and and, and I've seen. Uh, I mean, I remember. Uh, when I, I was an employer for 33 years before I merged my firm, and I know that whenever we had an issue, and I, I you might, doctors, consider bringing something up like this. If we ever have an issue in the office that is a legal issue, I'm not an attorney, you're not an attorney, what I would do is I would either get the, I would have the office administrator, the doctor, and the employee in the office, and I'd get them on the phone. And I would say, and I'd call the labor, either the labor board or my labor attorney and say, here's the legal issue. What's the law? And we follow the law. Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, do, do you talk to doctors about that kind of stuff as far as, you know, being respectful? And do you see doctors maybe not being respectful these days? Sure. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, that has been true since the dawning of mankind, that bosses often aren't uh, necessarily the most evolved people on the planet. <laughs> right. So, right. You, you know, so, so that is always true. And, and one of the things that I enjoy about um, my work in practice management is that generally the dentists that are attracted to me are looking at that very issue of how can I be a more humane leader, right? I mean, and that is ultimately it. And what is kind of interesting is that, of course, dentists are in the helping profession, right? And, and so one would think that the people who are attracted to work in a dentist's office are generally the helpers. And, and that is what I've observed, that generally the staff, who work in a dental office are, uh, you know, if you're familiar with the uh, DISC profile, they're the S types. They want to serve. They like an even, calm place to work, and, and they want to um, help other people. They want to be led also. Uh, I've, I've seen that also, and I, I think it's so important 
that it, it you know, remember, you, what's the Johnson & Johnson commercial? You never get a second chance to make a first impression. Oh. And so you, you need to make doctors a really good, especially today, first impression to say that, that you're an excellent clinician, you care about people, um, you know, you care about your team members. You can even give an example. I'll give an example of, of what I did in my business is I have a, a wonderful, wonderful young lady who we've been working together 15 years, just the absolute sweetest human being on the planet. And in the middle of tax season, dead of March, she comes to me in tears. My dad is dying uh, and they lived overseas. Mm -hmm. And I, without batting an eyelash, and she says, I know, I know you can't lose me. I know it's tax season. I know we have to get tax returns done. And without batting an eyelash, I said, we'll figure it out. You go take care of your family. Right. And I got the team together and I said, here's the situation. And that's what we did. So this is the type of stuff that, that you're talking about, right? Sharon is you want to share when you're an employer and you're interviewing somebody, why? It, I mean, the money is the money. You know, mm -hmm. if you're not offering a competitive, a, a, a salary that that's, you know, that they're going to be happy with, they may not work for you. They may, but they may not. But, but things like that, right? I mean, that's what you want to do. Any any suggestions in an interview of some things a doctor might consider saying? Uh, absolutely. So, Go for it. So, so again, think like the employee uh, and, and think why. So you need to answer this question for the employee. And the question is, why would I want to work here? Why, right? And so you need to anticipate that question and say, here are the great things about us. Here are my values. And here is how we live our values every day. Here is how I'm going to support you. Uh, here's how I'm going to train you. Uh, here is um, the benefits you can um, love here. Look at the wonderful patients we have. Um, you know, so you're selling yourself and your team and your culture. And by the way, um, your selling to the new employee doesn't end the day they accept your offer. Let's think about their first day of work, too, because now your goal is to retain this employee. Yep. And too often, uh, employees will show up on their first day of work, be shown a computer if they're the front desk or uh, to the back if they're a, a clinical staff, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's like, hi, see ya, nice to have you here. That's not a really momentous occasion. What if you went all out? What if you put a banner, cheap banner from Walmart on in your office that says, welcome? What if you gave them a little plant that says, you know, we're here, we're going to nurture you just like uh, this plant? Um, what if you arrange that every day that first week they went out with a different team member for lunch on you? So you, you need to like make that. this a really special uh, occasion because, like you said, you only have uh, one chance to make that first impression. And very quickly, an employee's honeymoon period is over uh, with you and disillusionment sets in. So what you want is to extend that honeymoon period at least past the first 10 minutes of their employment at your office. That that's right. Now, do you have a do you have a do you help doctors in your coaching with a kind of a an employee onboarding um type of a, a I wouldn't call it service but a a process that you might have? Sure. So mostly I I'm working with uh the front desk processing um, because I don't you know, train clinically. So for the front desk, at least, we start looking at, okay, what do you want them to know and be able to do the first week as opposed to the fourth week, right? So right. let's divide up. What do you want to see them demonstrate uh, within, let's say, the first month of employment? And one of the cheapest and easiest ways of making sure 
that your uh, your new employee feels like they can always talk to you is to give them a small notebook. Could be one of these nice fancy ones, or it could be a just a spiral bound little notebook. And their instruction is during the day, they are to write down their observations and their questions, right? Now you want to know when the employee thinks, why are we doing it like this? When my last practice did it like that, right? Now they may be kind of intimidated to say that out loud to your intact team, but yeah, have them write that observation in the notebook. And then at the end of the day, you're going to have a standing uh, appointment with that employee to go over their observations and questions. And your job as the employer is to acknowledge their insights, answer their questions, and see if something that they have seen in their kind of beginner mind can actually be helpful and uh, improve your practice. And in this way, you're supporting your new employee, giving them attention and answering their questions pretty quickly. That That's a great way to do it because you want that employee going home after the first day. If they are at home with a spouse or children or whomever it is, you want them to say, wow, I am exactly. so glad I took this job. Exactly. exactly. Sharon, I want to take a second. I want you to share with our audience a little bit about what you do in your coaching work and how you might be able to work with our folks. I will tell you, I only bring the best people on. And Sharon is an excellent coach, has an excellent reputation. So Sharon, talk a little bit about what you do and then give everybody out. We'll give out your uh, phone number and your uh, website, uh, I, I mean, your email information if they want to contact you. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, uh, I've been in this field as a uh, dental consultant for about 20 years, uh, which yeah, sort of dates me. Mm. But, <laughs> um, you know, I began with always this interest in something called organizational development, which is looking at how do organizations um, develop a culture that can serve everyone, both um, the stakeholders, the clients, uh, and the owners. And working in dentistry allows me to have access to all those people, right? Both the, the patients, the team members, and, and the dentist, who is presumably the boss. So as, uh, as a consultant, most of my clients meet with me once a month uh, for one-on-one sessions. And then I work with the team also. Uh, and I take over a staff meeting one time a month where I train them on relevant topics and teach the entire team how to have better team meetings, even without me. And given that, of course, you are a numbers guy, Art, um, a big component of what I do with every dentist is we look at um, a financial forecast and we look at what do you need to produce and collect in order to meet your expenses. And then we track their production collection and expenses each month, which then tells us, okay, here are the systems that we need to tighten up, or here are systems that are working really well. So let's just reinforce the team for those. Okay. And you you work anywhere in the country? Oh yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm um, nationwide. Yeah. Na- nationwide. All right. And so if, uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, Sharon, and I will, I'm going to jot these also down. I, I, I have them, but I'm just going to have them so I can put them in the show notes. Uh, why don't you give out your phone number and we'll do this once again at the end of the, uh, the recording today, uh, phone number and, uh, the best way to get a hold of you via email. Sure. So I'm in California, so try not to call it uh, 3 a.m. my time. Um, <laughs> okay. But my, my phone number is area code 707-665-0623. You can also check me out on my website, which is uh, weisspractice.com, or email me at uh, Sharon at Weisspractice. And um, my uh, my first name is spelled S H A R Y N. 
So it's a little unusual because my parents uh, were temporarily crazy. Just temporarily. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My 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 mother had a bachelor's in guilt, and my grandmother had a <laughs> master's, and they were crazy their entire lives. <laughs> oh my god, my mother! My mother kept telling me. If I didn't like something she said, or I didn't like something that was going on, or I didn't want to do my homework, I should bang my head against the wall. Wow. And that could be a reason for some of the problems I'm having here at the age of 62, but who knows? <laughs> anyway, let's get back into our topic, Sharon, because you got a lot more stuff I want to talk about. Um, you have some real good opinions about bonus plans and how they don't work or can work. Why do some, uh, some bonus plans backfire? Right. So this is a topic that I am pretty uh, passionate about uh, because I, I have heard actually so many other consultants um, advocating for bonus plans. And every time I hear it, it's, it's like a little shiver up my spine. And, and here, here are some of my problems. Number one, um, besides reading about World War II and murders, I also read about motivation, and, and I know that doesn't make me very exciting. I'm kind of geeky about this, but I've been always obsessed with what is motivational theory? What do the psychologists and social scientists tell us about what really motivates people? And one of the interesting things that every social scientist says and every study they looked at from the 1940s onward, is that external rewards don't really motivate people. In fact, interestingly, when rewards are attached to performance, performance goes down. In fact, you know, I know that sounds like crazy, but that is true. Why would that be? What, 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 makes, what connects those two things? Right. So when you say, I will give you X if you do this, you are now constructing a sort of if-then proposition. And you're saying the task itself, I know, is not going to be that pleasant. That's why I'm going to need to pay you to do it. Mm -hmm. So what an individual might have looked at as, hey, this is kind of an interesting challenge. And hey, you know, this kind of suits my personality. They now look at as quote unquote work. Oh, well, I guess I need to do this to get that 10 bucks. And one of the most fascinating and bizarre things that I learned is that the higher the reward, the worse the performance. Yeah. So here we have uh, dentists rightly wanting to motivate their team. I get it. I understand. You know, sometimes uh, the team members do not seem like they want to do what you want them to do. And it does seem tempting to say, well, great, I'll institute a bonus plan. And that surely will motivate them to either produce more or collect more. But let's look at some of the problems that ensues when you institute the bonus plan. And, and the very first thing that I don't know that too many people think about is the ethical issue in general, right? So let's think about we are now incentivizing health professionals to do something with patients that will increase their own paycheck. Now, I personally wouldn't want to go to a doctor who looked at me and said, you know, I need a new pair of shoes. So <laughs> I'm going to recommend that, you know, I, I wouldn't want to do that. So when you think about, I'm going to have a bonus plan in the dental practice um, that's going to incentivize my team members I really want you to think about what are you actually incentivizing them to do? You know, and, and so if you're basing, well, if we increase production up to this point, you'll get a bonus of X percent or X dollars. Great. But let's just think about it. 
So I'm a hygiene assistant. Now, how am I going to merit this bonus? What am I actually going to say and do with patients now, um, you know, with the bonus plan that I wasn't doing before? And is this all going to be really ethical? Mm. So it sounds to me like you are not a big fan of these bonus plans, which we know are in lots of offices. Right. So do you do you have other ways that you like to motivate team members? I mean, is it just giving them better raises? Um, you could do what I did with my team a couple times, which is kidnap them and take them to the mall, give them money, go shopping oh. once a year. I did that a couple of times. That actually worked out very well. Right. Uh, they were very happy. What, what do you like to do to help doctors teach doctors how to motivate their teams? Right. So so let's just talk. Let's just hold on a little second. And this whole term that you use, how do you motivate your team? Um, because even that is kind of a misnomer uh, because pretty much your team is already motivated. Just like the patients who walk in your practice, they're also motivated. The, the difficulty is that they may not be motivated for what you personally want them to be motivated for, right? Right. I mean, you pretty much don't have to motivate someone to eat ice cream because, you know, they want to eat ice cream. It's good. So when you're working with a team and you're thinking, hey, I, I want to motivate them, I, I want you to stop for a second and think, right, these people are already motivated for something. And they're not a monolith. You have to look at each individual and you need to think, what would, is interesting for this particular person? What lights them up? And there are intrinsic motivators. Like I, you know, I am a very social person. I like it when I have friends at work. Or another person might be, I like it when I have information. That motivates me at work. And then there are the extrinsic motivators, which is what we often devolve to in terms of, I'll give you some monetary reward. So when you're looking at increasing motivation in the dental office, you're looking at two things. One, how do I connect with my employees so they feel good and rewarded and acknowledged for doing the things that help the practice. And then secondly, you can look at, okay, and how can I physically show them uh, that I, I, I appreciate what they've done? And so in the latter case, if you want to reward people, then what all the social scientists say is that you need to do unexpected rewards after the behavior. So again, it's not an if-then. Hey, if you close this patient, I'll take you out to lunch. No, it's more, hey, I saw what you did with Mrs. Pittypat. This is how it was so amazing uh, in what I heard you say and do. And I want to acknowledge your effort in this case and in all the other instances where you help our patients here have this uh, lunch on me or gift certificate on me. But the key is always that if you're going to give a physical extrinsic reward, it has to be unexpected and it has to come after the behavior. No, that makes sense. Now, do you run into an issue like, let's say you have five team members in a dental office, but you've got a couple that are just kind of, I like to call them filling chairs. Yeah. They don't do a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So they may not get that little lunch on the boss because they did something great with Mrs. Smith mm -hmm. uh, who came into the office. So they did something mm -hmm. great with a new computer. H how do you, I mean, because these employees talk to each other. Right. How do you kind of monitor that? I mean, is it that the the people that just don't do the extra stuff just don't get the extra stuff? How does that work? Sure, possibly. Um, but but again, um, if you want to treat each employee as an individual, 
then I will look at, well, what does this particular individual want from working here? And it could be they want nothing. They just want to show up at eight and want to go home at five and want to have a really stable, uneventful work life. Hey, God bless you, because, you know, sometimes we need that in the office, too. Right. Right. So it depends. But for the most part, most people want some sort of relationship in the dental practice or in, indeed any work site where they feel acknowledged and they feel respected. And that, so go ahead. That's yeah. No, that's, that's so important. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I've had doctors come to me and just say, oh, I had to yell at them again. Right. And I go, you yelled at them? They said, yeah, yeah, that's the only way they respond. I go, no, 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 no. <laughs> you, you need to have a complete 180 of what you want to do because they want to be respected. They want to go to a place where they are cared for. You know, and, and people want to be cared about. It, it doesn't mean that you want to become their best friends. And that was one thing. I, I'm, I like to think, Sharon, and I'm sure you are too, I like to think I'm a very friendly person. And I didn't make friends with my employees. I didn't go out and socialize with them. They were my employees. I paid them a salary. They worked for me. But I would always ask, how's your daughter? How's your son? How's your husband uh, feeling? And we had some folks that, that had uh, husbands that were ill. How, how's, uh, how's Joe doing? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but that, that's part of, of, of creating a culture. It's, it's really about creating a culture, right? One of the, I'll, I'll never forget this. So this must have happened about 20 years ago. I was leading a large workshop where, you know, there were many teams and dentists in a hotel ballroom. And I don't know how this came up, but I remember a dental assistant standing up and saying, I just left my last dental practice where I had worked for about 10 years. And, and she's like, and here's why I left. I had recently reconnected with my adopted, um, my, my biological parent. And, and apparently, you know, this Denison had been raised in an adoptive family. Okay. So she met her biological parent. And of course, that is a huge event in anyone's life. And she said, but I left my dentist because when I came back from that meeting, the dentist never asked me a question mm. about it. Yep. And, you know, and there you go. Now, did this dentist need to pay this employee a bonus to stay or raise her salary to make her happy? No. He just had to show some common uh, concern for her and, uh, and in some involvement and curiosity about her life. Yeah. And that, that's, that is, and, and it takes so little effort to do that. Right. It takes so little effort. So, so the message, doctors, that we're trying to put to you is, yeah, money is important. People need money to pay their bills and live their lives. But that is not the main reason that people are going to want to come to work for you. They want to come to work for you because they want to feel like they don't want to throw up every morning before <laughs> they get in the car to drive to your dental office. They want to feel like they're going to go in. And this is a great place to be for eight hours. One third of my life every day, I'm going to be in this 1,500 square feet. And if, if, if it's just a, a happy place, it needs to be a happy place too. I, I'm, I'm, I, I write a newsletter uh, every other week, and uh, an upcoming newsletter is a bit of a case study of a dental practice um, where I, I used to consult and where I'm still friendly with the office manager. Now, this is great because I get her inside take on what the dentist is doing to kill his team. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, and in fact, that is the title of the of that article of how to kill your team. So one of the many things this unfortunate hapless dentist has done with his team, and one of the reasons his team keep demanding more and more money from him, is that uh, here's an example. He just told the team that, um, hey, we're um, we're under production this year, and we're going to have to tighten our belts, and you know, no more 
freebies of any sort. And, you know, we are really in dire straits. And he said this the day before he left for his two-week vacation to Hawaii. There you go. That I, 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 I had, had a client a long time ago who made a lot of money. And he would complain to his team how he doesn't have enough money to pay his bills. Same thing. And and right. you, you just, folks, your employees are living for the most part paycheck to paycheck. Many of them are. Some are not, but some are. And the average dental employee in the United States makes anywhere full time, you know, thirty to sixty thousand dollars a year, Sharon. That's probably a fair number. I mean, that may not be the number in Manhattan. It may not be the number in Northern California where you are, but it's I mean, that's probably where most of the folks land. And, you know, they're struggling to pay their rent and the pandemic has knocked people on their butts. We all know that. And, you know, the doctors have to be respectful of that. And they do deserve to make more money than their employees because they went to dental school. They took the risk to open a dental office. But don't, oh, guys, don't, ladies and gentlemen, do not plead poverty to your employees. They don't want to hear it. (laughs) In fact, they're going to, they're going to lose respect for you, right? If you do that. Oh, absolutely. Let's cover a couple more things. I wish you and I could talk for hours, and we probably could, um, but we don't have hours on the podcast. So I had a situation come up in my office the other day with a dentist, and he says, Art, I've got four employees, and I need to hire a fifth one. And the four employees are earning between $19 and $21 an hour. They are the best team I've ever had. They're not motivated by how much they make. They love working together. Mm -hmm. I now have someone that's come in who I think would be really, really a great fit into this uh, practice, but they want $27 an hour. What do we do? Mm -hmm. So what, what do you do in a situation where you've got people that are maybe making a little less than what market is? And we know that happens. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you've got people have been working for you for years and now the rates have gone up and you've got to hire somebody who's, who's wanting more. And if you don't offer them that, you may not get somebody. What do we do in a situation like that? Right. So I, I totally get uh, the push and pull uh, in that situation. So, so there are a number of things. One, I, if I were the dentist, I would definitely do my homework and, and go back to some of these websites or other people and look at, hey, what is, and I know I'm going to use that word, competitive in my right. area, right? right? So let's just determine that. Number two, and I know, Art, I'm going to speak your language. Uh, you need to determine what is affordable for your practice, right? I mean, you cannot... Uh, potentially pay an employee, you know, $100,000, even if they're a great employee, if you can't afford it. So, so you need to do some research. Is this affordable for my practice? And, uh, and as an aside art, if anyone wants to determine what is affordable for their practice, if they contact me, I developed a worksheet uh, for that to look at what are your current payroll costs? And then I has a calculator to look at if I raised these people's salaries, what would be the ultimate um, cost to my practice? Is, is that something, Sharon, that they can get off of your website? Or is that something if they call or email yeah, you, you'll send them? Call, How does that work? Right. If they call or email me, I'm happy to um, either talk to them or send that to them. Uh, no problem. So one of the things that I did with this client is because when when I consult and you consult, we don't tell them you must do this. We give them choices. I, as a financial advisor, give people choices. And I said, one of the choices you have, doctor, is that you are paying people under market. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, for example, uh, in dentistry, this is what we learned from Pride, uh, 18 to 20% of the total office production generally goes to team compensation, not including hygiene. Hygiene is a completely different animal. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, I said, you know, your compensation is about 15, 16% because mm-hmm. your salaries are low. And you're telling me that you've added some services and your revenues are going to be up a couple hundred thousand this year. Mm-hmm. 
I said, maybe, maybe you can raise everybody and say, listen, you know, you guys are wonderful and you've never come to me. Everybody's getting a $2 an hour raise or something like that. Then you bring that person up. And then, like you say, maybe we go back to the, you know, to Indeed or ZipRecruiter um, and, and see what people are looking at and come back to this other person and say, you know, you want 27 an hour. That's a little rich for this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll pay you 24 mm-hmm. and we're excited. And then, you know, y- you have to be able to lose them because like you say, you can't give someone $100,000 because they're asking for it. So. Right. Yeah. And so let's say you you think, wow, this employee, this person is going to be dynamite and I really want them. Well, you know, salary is a negotiation, right? Oh, yeah. So, um, so look at, all right, well, are there ways for me to expand that person's job duties so I could, they could merit, um, a $27 an hour? Yep. Or, is there something else I could provide that they would uh, value? Gym membership, even, um, that would not be a salary increase, but would provide a benefit they would appreciate. Right. And then finally, you're looking at, again, you're selling your practice and how great the culture is there uh, for this person to work at. Uh, so we're going to come uh, just one or two more things and then we'll wrap this up. Um, do you like personality testing when you go to hire people? I, I don't actually. Okay. Um, many of them, you know, they may not actually translate across all cultures, um, which of course is a huge issue. Um, so, you, you know, and I think you could potentially be vulnerable um, to hiring discrimination because of that. Okay. I also think that any objective, you know, test, look, you're, you're hiring a person, right? And hopefully your practice can embrace many different personalities and many different skill sets. And, and so even if someone has like the dreaded D on the disc style as a driver personality, you know what? A practice can use that personality. That can be an asset. So no, I'm not in favor of um, talking off people simply due to a personality inventory. I'll tell you what I like. This is something, and I, again, I've, my audience knows that I do repeat myself and it's hard. I don't keep notes of the, um, you know, over 130 podcasts that I've done uh, of what I say every single time. My dad caught, taught me two things. Number one, uh, you give someone a firm handshake. And number two, you look them in the eye. <laughs> I I have, a, I have a, a personal issue with people who give me a wimpy handshake. <laughs> And I really do. And who are looking all over the place. I, I've had I've had prospective employees actually sitting there and texting while they're interviewing with me. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite. And um, uh, but, you know, that that's one thing. The other thing, doctors, I think that you should really be thinking about is listening for what can this person do to bring value to your practice? What what? What are they going to do? You know, I'm just going to come in and fill a seat and I'm going to push some buttons on a computer and I'm going to talk to people on the phone. No, I want to know, say, you know, I've been in offices where we've grown by 20 or 30 percent and there are some things that we've done to do that. And I would love to talk to you. That's the kind of team member I'm looking for. Right, Sharon? Sure. And, and you know, maybe you're hiring someone who doesn't have that tons of work experience. So then you're going to ask them more behavior-based questions, right? What would you do if this situation occurred, right? And you're going to give them some situations because you want to hear how they think, how they reason, how they make decisions, and that will reveal their values. Yeah. And, and you, you've got to, you've got to have people who care. That's what you really need because that is what, that is how patients are going to stay with you forever. Caring and trust. If if I could leave on my tombstone as a dental CPA and a podcaster, something, it's going to be caring and trust. 
mm-hmm. because that's what we did with our clients. It's like, I mean, it, it, I, I do this with my CPA clients and my clients who listen to this podcast will attest to that is I tell them, I care. I want you to be successful. I want to help you. If you tell somebody, I want to help you, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that that goes so far. And that's what you want in your team members. So any, so I think we're about the end of our time. Sharon. Any final comments about this conversation of uh, compensation? And I'm going to let you give your information out one more time. Uh, anything, you know, any last tidbits or thoughts? Right. So let's just reinforce what I truly believe is that compensation includes all the ways an employee is acknowledged, respected, and rewarded in the dental practice. It is not limited only to the cash compensation they receive, but also to the way they feel about working for you and with you. Well, I will tell you, this is one of the one of the better interviews that I've done uh, with consultants. Not that the other <laughs> ones weren't good. They were excellent. But a lot of really good tips. We stayed really focused. And uh, doctors, if you are having some issues in your practice and you would like some help, uh, Sharon is, uh, I believe the term would be ready, willing, and able. <laughs> sure. There you go. Sharon, go ahead one more time. Give out your phone number. Uh, website and your email, and then um, uh, hang on uh, as I take us out uh, with a couple of closing comments of my own. Sure. So you can reach me by phone at 707-665-0623 or uh, email Sharon at weisspractice.com. And Sharon, again, is with a Y instead of an O or at my website, weisspractice.com. Sharon Weiss, despite the fact that I'm going to have to watch my back because you've learned how to kill people in England, um, <laughs> I'll be very careful, but I'll be very nice to you and very respectful. Okay. Uh, my son lives in Northern California. He's in the dental profession also, so please be nice to him. Uh, <laughs> I'll make sure of that. And if I ever have any World War II questions, you'll be the first Great. one I call. Okay. Uh, so again, Sharon Weiss, thank you so much for taking your valuable time and sharing it with our audience. Uh, here on the Art of Dental Finance and Management. And folks, if you have a question for me about anything, taxes, uh, I don't know, uh, who's going to win the World Series, who's going to win the Super Bowl, um, you know, I'll talk about anything. Uh, My number is 657-279-3243 at my office. My my email is awiederman, W-I-E, D-E-R-M-A-N at Eid Bailey, E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Please go ahead and uh, listen to our Partners in Crime, Decisions and Dentistry magazine. Um, not listen, read, go onto their website, www.decisionsanddentistry.com. Uh, if you don't subscribe to their magazine, shame on you because most of the dental world does. And it's outstanding clinical content and outstanding continuing education courses. And uh, again, you know, we are the financial first responders, we dental CPAs. Uh, As I will say over and over again, folks, it is be kind to your CPA year. It has been an absolutely brutal year. Not that it hasn't been for you, not that it hasn't been for other businesses during this, this last 18 months, but we have been on top of all of our tax work and all the delays that the government has put in setting the rules of how we have to do what we have to do. We've also had to consult on the PPP, the ERTC, and the HHS. It, it's it's like, you know, I run a CPA firm. It's like saying, you now have to be an attorney also and do all that work, and we'll give you a little training. So uh, the Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org, 24 CPA firms across the United States representing over 10,000 dentists. Uh, check out our website. We are at Ide Bailey. We have about 1,000 dentists that we work with. Uh, we're in Southern California. Uh, so anything that we can do to help you in any area, financial planning, tax planning, accounting, marriage counseling, therapy. I mean, we do it all. It's amazing all the stuff that we do. Um, But I am honored and humbled to have spent my professional career 
as a dental CPA, because I will say this again, uh, you folks that are kind enough to listen to my podcast are some of the most caring, nicest, friendliest, wonderful people I have ever met. And it's an honor and a privilege to serve you. So with that, I will take us out. This has been Art Wiederman for the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Please tell your friends about our podcast. Please uh, write a review about our podcast. Make sure that you also go to um, uh, listen on the second second Wednesday of every single month. We have our monthly series that we do for six local dental societies, uh, series. Uh, we've got some really great stuff coming up in October and November. And with that, this is Art Wiederman, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.